a warm morning, isn't it? Warm greetings to you. Let's all stand together. You're going to survive. Ah. This is the day the Lord has made, and we still will rejoice and be glad in it. If there's ever a time that the scripture comes alive, when the Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. So we get some testing sometimes to see, are you still going to praise God when it's warm? Or are you only going to praise God when it's cool? So we're going to praise God nevertheless. Amen? And uh, they'll be working on it while we're here. And uh, I'm believing God in a little while. It should be back on as soon as the guy comes. We look at to blow a fuse. And, you know, can you imagine sometimes a little thing can create a big problem? And the same thing spiritually. The same equation. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. Let's invite him to be with us today. I want to welcome those of you joining us from wherever you join us, the various countries you join us from. Around the state, out of the state, we're, well, we're glad to have you with us this morning. Let's invite God to do something special for each of us today. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the privilege to come together in your house. You said we must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but as we see the day approaching, how much more we should do this and how much more we should encourage one another. Lord, we invite you to be with us today in a special way. And we ask you to even to touch our AC system, God, and to, you know how to work on it. You can, sell, you can send mechanical angels to do things that we can't do. And we know there's nothing too difficult for you, nothing impossible with you. Lord, breathe a fresh upon us. Send a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit upon us today. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do. And in everything, God, we want you to be glorified as we, your people, are edified and let the devil be terrified in Jesus' name. And all God's people everywhere say, Amen. Let's welcome our worship team to lead us in our time of worship. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God, we praise you this morning. God, we bless you. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. And your mercy endure it forever. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord.
for your faithfulness this morning hallelujah hallelujah whether things are good or bad whether we're happy whether we're sad hallelujah whether there's joy there's sour you're still good God and we acknowledge your lordship this morning God hallelujah we praise you God we praise you with the fruit of our lips this morning hallelujah Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for the way you've kept us. Thank you for the way you've covered us. Thank you for the way, oh God, the provision, God. Hallelujah, the direction, God. Hallelujah, God, we thank you for guidance, God. Hallelujah, we thank you for wisdom, God. We thank you for deliverance, God. Hallelujah, we thank you for making ways out of no ways this morning. God, we thank you that you have been the covenant-keeping God. God, we just thank Thank you this morning. God, we look to you this morning for strength, God. We look to you this morning for peace. We look to you this morning for joy because in you we can find it all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, great God. Thank you, great God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.
joy like no other. Come on, get your joy this morning. Joy like no other. Yeah, reach You are my joy. You are my joy. You are my joy, 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 joy. Unspeakable joy. Joy like no other. Joy like no other. Jesus leaning safe and secure from all I am leaning on Jesus that he will do. I want to challenge you this morning. I see a lot of you are fanning. God has mechanical angels. They're making the big house up there for us to come. Sometimes we read a scripture and we don't really get it. Some of them can fix this AC. So don't stress this morning. Don't let the devil steal your praise or your joy. Amen. While you're there, you call upon those angels. They're building the new Jerusalem. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. Who do you think is making the place? They're angels, mechanical angels, and they do know how to fix AC. Let us agree together and let us bind the spirit that wars against the people of God. We want to pray for that first. And then... 
We want to join our national Open Bible Church. Our president from Open Bible has invited all the churches to join together today or tomorrow with a series of prayers for our national election and for the nation. We have been praying 40 days to election day, and we're glad to see our national organization has trumpeted that as well. And we have prayer prompts, but we want to pause. And I want you to believe with me right now. God can do anything. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you that nothing is impossible with you. It's not just our health. It's not just our finances. It's not just when we need a job. But Lord, the mechanical system here today. We ask you to touch it. You dispatch your angels who are sent to be ministering spirits to the hearers of salvation. We bind the plans of Satan. We rejoice in your God. Hallelujah, that you will touch the system, that it will work. And if it doesn't change, we're still going to praise you. No heat, no devil in hell is going to steal our praises. And so we thank you that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to your mighty power that's at work in us. Thank you, Lord, for dispatching help right now. In the name of Jesus, let's give him a praise. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. For some people, all year round, it's like this. We're blessed to have AC. So, God, let's just happen to see when we don't think we have anything to thank him for. We do have something to thank him for. Amen. Amen. So, let's join together, and we're going to pray for a national election. And it starts with a fresh wave of God's spirit all over the nation. We need that change. We need to humble ourselves and acknowledge our dependency on God. Believers need to vote instead of remaining on the sidelines. If you are a citizen of this nation, you should make every effort to vote. People died. You may be seated. Don't want it to wear out with the heat. People died so we can have this right to vote. Then we need for wisdom to know how to vote. And then we want to renew our faith and trust in God, not in the government or the resources of government. God wants us to see with eyes of faith. He's in control. We want to pray for our leaders to yield personal and political agendas to God. For God's mercy that you would give our next president, whoever it is, Solomon-like wisdom to lead our nation and bless our world. And then we want to pray finally for unity and healing for the division that is impacting our nation. I know you won't remember all of that, but the Holy Spirit will bring back to you. And the verse that we want to consider, it's interesting, I've been going over this for several weeks. It's from Psalm 80, verse 7, and the same verse is repeated over and over in that one psalm. This is from the NLT. It says, turn us again to yourself, O God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine upon us. Only then will we be saved. O God of hosts, restore us. Amen. And we can pray that over our own families. 
backsliding, weary, lukewarm. Psalm 80, verse 7 from the NLT. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we join with brothers and sisters all over the nation. We cry out to your God for the nation. You said we have not because we ask not. And when we ask, we ask wrongly. So we don't get answers. But today we ask you, God, to send a fresh wave of your Holy Spirit. Sweep over our nation. Oh, Lord God, in every square inch. From the seat of power. The seat of advertisement and communication. The seat of the economy and education. The seat of justice today, God. We ask you to remember the areas, national security. Breathe over these and over every square inch. Turn us again to you. Make your face shine upon us in these areas, God. Help us to humble ourselves and to turn. <laughs> to acknowledge our dependency on you, not on our military might, not on our what used to be. We need you, God. Turn our nation to you. Turn the heart of our nation to you. Turn the people to you, O oh God. Lord, we pray for believers. You have called us, O oh God, to do what is right, to honor those in authority. And, O oh Lord, I pray that not one believer who is eligible will be guilty of refraining from voting. God, for those who feel so confused, they don't like either side. Holy Spirit, you put in them because before the foundations of the earth, you have a man that you have ordained for such a time as this. So put it in your people how to vote, though it's uncomfortable, God. May we be obedient, oh God. May we not vote out of anger or fear, but trusting your direction. Father, we pray for wisdom as we vote. May there be no bitterness in our heart. May we, oh God, seek your will and your face. Lord, we ask that you would renew our faith and our trust in God, not in the resources of government. Help us to know that all power is in your hand, and it is you that put one up and you take one down. Oh, Lord God, we are praying that our leaders would yield personal and political agendas. We come against all hate, all divisiveness, all wickedness, all slandering. God, forgive our nation. Forgive our nation the low level we have gone to God. Our leaders have set such bad examples for the youth. God, forgive today. Turn their hearts to you, O oh God. We're asking for your mercy, God, for the next president. You know who it is. You see the calamities, the disasters that we're experiencing right now. Have mercy upon that one. We ask a Solomon-like wisdom and insight. We ask the wisdom from above, oh God, grace and humility to seek you, to turn to your word, to trust you, God, how to lead this nation. Oh God, we ask you to heal the divide. Heal the great chasm of injustice, racism, oppression, fear that have been placed upon this nation. Unite the people once again. Unite us, oh God. For we have more in common as human beings than in the ways we are different. Lord, we ask your mercy upon our nation. Turn our nation back to you. Shine your face upon us, God of heaven's army. Restore us, O oh Lord, we pray. 
Let not the enemies, external and internal, mock. But as we humble ourselves, would you hear from heaven? Would you forgive? Would you heal our land? Father, we ask your blessing upon our nation. We pray for safe electoral process. We pray for good weather in every area, God, that people would not be hindered. And we pray you'd be glorified. Father, we lift up the families of this church and all those who are watching with us, worshiping with us. We lay before you their specific needs. Some are mourning. Some are ill. We pray for Sister Carolyn and others that are ill. That they will improve rapidly, oh God. We pray for those who have lost loved ones and are mourning. You say we should mourn with those who mourn. We pray you'd comfort their hearts and give peace and provide the provision to them. Remember those who are jobless this morning. Lord, may you open a door for them. Remember, Lord, families that are in disarray. There is so much, Lord, brokenness and hurt. So much anxiety and assault and verbal and emotional and even physical. Lord, visit the homes. Touch this morning. Comfort, Lord. Give hope. And Lord, we ask you to protect those on the front line. Remember those who are directly engaged and exposed to COVID-19. And we will not cease to pray that COVID will dry up. We declare it in the name of Jesus, as suddenly as it came, God may it suddenly die and dry up. We come against every plan, Lord God, against finding a cure. God be glorified. You intervene and overrule the plans of men and the wickedness of the hearts of men. Be glorified, O oh God. We ask that you'd anoint your men's servant that brings the word today. That all who are present and all who are watching us by the web, Will, Lord, be stirred in their hearts to live godly, to live in faith and to trust you. And, Father, we commit the airwaves into your hands. We bind the prince of the power of the air. And we give you thanks, God, that you keep it. You see, the, each week the attack, but in Jesus' name, we ask that you'd watch over and show us your mercy. We give you thanks, the lives that will be touched in Jesus' name. And everybody agrees, and we say, amen. 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 Praise God. God is good. And all the time. Yeah, nothing changes that. He's good. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we want to welcome those of you that are joining us. Uh, those of you join us from different places. We want to welcome you again to be a part of our service this morning. Glad you are able to join us and to be a part of this time together as we gather as the people of God in the house of God. And what a privilege it is for us to come together in his house and to worship him. We want to shout out some of those that are having birthdays. Uh, somebody's having birthday today. Carissa Rampasad is having birthday today. And then on Monday, yes, Carissa, happy birthday. And then I'm going to give you the rest of them and you, then we can wish them all together. There's Kathleen Ashton. She's having her birthday tomorrow. Sister Nelson below is having her birthday on Tuesday. Sister Vivian Campbell on Wednesday. Kareem Kester on Wednesday. Sister Mercedes Murray on Wednesday, and Shania Castro on Thursday. Let's wish them all a happy birthday. Happy birthday to you all, and may your, the Lord bless you, and may you have a great day in the Lord. Amen. Just another a couple of things. Um, we've sent, and uh, I sent out by the app, so I hope you got it. For those of you that are watching, if you run into a problem with Facebook, you can always switch to YouTube. It's more stable. 
and uh, we find that it's easier for you to do it. So I think they give me a thumbs up that maybe Facebook is working today. And so, but if it's not working at any time, you want to switch to YouTube and you'll be able to get a better reception because sometimes it's overloaded. I want to remind you about our children's ministry program, which continues on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., the third, three years old to the second grade, and then at 7.40, the grades three, four, and five on Wednesdays. And you want to be a part of that. Your children, they need to be able to get the word as well, and it's a great program. And if you don't know how to tune in, we always say to you, you can contact the church office, and we'll help to get you tuned in. And then on Thursdays, we have our youth services at 7 p.m., both the high school and the middle schoolers right, are at 7 p.m., and parents want to continue to encourage them. Their points being awarded, and they're going to be getting some prizes for the points, and one of those is devotional. Do they have their devotions for the week? And you can help them and encourage them in doing that and to have their devotional time. And, of course, uh, so as, as far as their participation counts to your academic club requirement, of participation in church and so that's part of what they're doing especially for those that are at home and are not coming to the church I want to remind you about mission india i know several of you have contributed to that we continue to support mission india and uh, at any time you want to give a contribution towards that just put it in the missions area on the online or on your envelope you can put mission india and we'll make sure that all the funds go towards that as they try to build a bible school to train young men and young women who are eager to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, but need that training. And so what a wonderful opportunity for us to partner with something very good. All right, so those are some of the announcements I want to make to you this morning. We want to get ready to sit around the Lord's table as you and I participate in Holy Communion. I want to be able to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as Paul writes, to the church at Corinth and he says to the church he says for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same manner do in the same manner he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty on concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. And then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. This is our time for us, each of us, to bow our heads and our hearts and to examine ourselves, as Paul says. Let's examine ourselves. And let's see if there's something that we need to ask God, confession, that we need to confess. We need to repent, each of us. So why don't you take the next couple of minutes to just do that right now.
But Father and our God, we've examined ourselves and found ourselves guilty. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. Sins we've committed by thoughts, by words we've spoken, by actions we've taken. Lord, we repent of our sins this morning. We ask your forgiveness. We ask that you'd apply the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from every sin. This morning, oh God, we ask you that you would bless the emblems that represent your broken body and your shed blood. Bless them, oh God, we pray. And as we partake of them, may every blessing that comes with the communion comes to us. We've judged ourselves so that you would not have to judge us. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to do this. And we give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would take a moment and take the bread and then hold it. And as you hold it, I want to remind you that this represents his body that was broken for us. Everything that we enjoy now, every benefit, every blessing, is because of what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. So this morning, we thank God for those spiritual blessings that we have, as we talked about in Ephesians chapter 1. We enjoy them because of what he did on the cross. His body was broken for us. And we are reminded this morning, he says, as often as you do this, we do it in remembrance of what he accomplished for us. Today, let's do that as we eat it all. It says, in the same manner, you also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup represents the new covenant or the new agreement in my blood. As often as you drink it, you do it in remembrance. It's the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sins. That's what God said. That was his condition. And that our blood could not pay for our own sins. It took the sinless blood of Christ to do that. That's why there's no other name given among men why we must be saved. Because only he has sinless blood. Every one else of us, our blood have been contaminated by sin. But Christ's sinless blood paid the full price of what God's requirement to remove sin and to remove judgment against us and to give us eternal life. So this morning, as we drink it, we do so in remembrance and receive the blessing that comes with it. We'll sing about one time for it. Reach us to the highest mountain and you can be seated. Flows to the lowest valley. For it reaches 
Give the Lord a hand for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God for the blood. Well, it's good to see you. It's good to know the air is back. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> God is good. Amen. Maybe you want to look around. We haven't seen some people. Sister Gibson, good to see you. I can see you from here. Uh, look around and say hi to somebody. Probably you haven't seen them for a while. You want to say hi. Some, some people we can't recognize behind the mask. But maybe you can recognize some and say, good to see you. Good to have you with us. Praise God. Amen. It's a blessing. Blessings to be able to be together and to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. And I want you to be honest with me. And by a show of hands, how many of you would say that a large chunk of your time revolves around the pandemic? Okay, let me rephrase it. There's nobody, I didn't see much, much hands up. Whenever you're going to do something or whenever you're going to go somewhere, it's on your mind. Raise your hand, let me see. <laughs> well, whenever you're doing something or going somewhere, it's on your mind, right? And uh, a lot of times you're doing different things and you're thinking about it. Even if you're in the home and you're going to do something, you're thinking about, I need to wash my hands, right? So come on now. And if you're going out, you're thinking, I need to wear my, 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 my mask. And then you're thinking, I don't want to touch as many stuff. And whatever you do, whether you go anywhere and you're holding those door handles, you're thinking about it and you're thinking about, I need to sanitize it. So guess what? A good chunk of your time, if you add it up, hello, a good chunk of your time is consumed by working around this pandemic issue. And uh, for some people, can, I be, can you believe it? Their life has stopped. Life is on hold for some people. The pandemic has paralyzed them. And they are not doing what they normally do. Now, this does not mean that when you're paralyzed, you're not following the protocols. It doesn't mean that you don't wash your hands and wear your mask and social distance. But here's the problem with it, is that the, you can be so consumed by the pandemic that your mind is focused entirely or mostly on working around the pandemic and the things associated with the pandemic. But today, what I want to do is to bring us back on track. I want us to get us back on track because time is critical. We need to not be so distracted that we miss our calling. You know, this is a good time for us to get some things right. How many people believe that Jesus is coming soon? That life is not on hold? That we are in the last days? That we still need to work while it is day because night cometh when no man work? If you believe that, say amen. amen. And so this morning, I want you to know that God is still at work behind the curtain of your life. He's still at work. And he's working and there are some things that he has for us to do even in the pandemic. So I want you to get your Bibles out and turn with me first of all. Let's look at a scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2. So this is going to be a teaching message today. Praise God for the ACS. Amen. Yes, thank God. God is good indeed. He's working. And... Um, 
Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read one verse, just one verse, verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For what purpose? For good works. Good works. And when, which God had prepared, what? Beforehand, that we should, what? Walk in them. So let's use our thinking caps now. If God has prepared good works for us beforehand to walk in them, did he prepare them before the pandemic? Does it mean that he still has them available for us to walk in them during the pandemic? That's right. So nothing changes with God. And life is not on hold for God. <laughs> Just so you know that. God is not on hold because of the pandemic. He's not paralyzed. He hasn't stopped his plans. He hasn't put things on hold and says, wait a minute. A pandemic has come and I don't know what to do. I got to hold and think this through. Why? Because God saw the pandemic before the pandemic occurred. Amen? And God already worked around the pandemic already. And he wants us to work with him that we don't become like other people. Because when you are the child of God, you are no longer a regular person. Did you know that? First of all, I want you to know you're an alien. You think it was us E.T.? You are an alien. That's what the Bible says. We are aliens. The Bible says we are just passing through here. This is not our home. We're just passing through. And as aliens from another planet, and aliens from the kingdom of God, aliens, the Bible tells us that our citizenship is where? In heaven. The real citizenship is not the United States. That's a temporary situation. Our permanent citizenship is in heaven. And so we need to remember who we are. That's what is very important. And the enemy tries to distract us with all kinds of things so we can forget who we are and then we don't focus on what we're supposed to be doing. So I want you to say with me, we have good works still to do. That's right. And so the pandemic hasn't changed that. We have good works. And we're going to talk about what those good works are today. How do we understand some of what that good works is? And for us to do that, we've got to go back to our passage in Isaiah 45. We've been dealing there for a long time. We have not come out of that one chapter. Isaiah 45. We're mining it. We're mining Isaiah 45, and we're now in verse 22, 23. So in Isaiah 45... And in verse 20, I'm going to do the NLT this time because of what it says. Isaiah 45 and verse 22. Here's what it says. Let all the world look to me for salvation. For I am God and there is no other. Let all the world. That's a universal call of God for salvation. Amen? And we're going to look at that this morning. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that your words... Our life unto those that find them, and literal medicine unto all flesh. May you speak to us today. Holy Spirit, I'm dependent on you to speak through me, to use me, and to minister to us today that your word will be clear. Your word will have the impact it needs to have, and that the hearts will be changed and transformed. 
And we give you thanks, and we give you praise, and we give you glory, and we give you honor. For we ask it in Jesus' name, and God's people everywhere say, Amen. Amen. All right, so today, I want you to hold on very tightly with me because I'm, it's the teaching message, and I want us to really get what I'm going to say because it may also turn things you might have heard it before, but the way I'm going to do it today is going to be a little bit more dramatic in the sense that you may want to really think it through. So, there is this universal call for all to be saved, for the world to look to him for salvation. Notice the Bible says, God says, let all the world look to me. Look to me. You can't get salvation anywhere else. Salvation is as we turn to God. In other words, if somebody doesn't turn to God, they're not going to be saved. You can't be saved without turning to God. And so the point is that who repent and turn to God receive salvation. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 23, I want you to hear what the Bible says. Jesus was teaching in the villages and the cities. And as he was on the journey to Jerusalem, the Bible says... One person asked him this question. Here's the question. Lord, are there few who are saved? Is it only a few people that will be saved? You want to hear what Jesus' response was? He says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Listen to this. For many, I say, will seek to enter and will not be able. Did you hear that? That's a very serious thing, isn't it? It says strive. Another translation says work hard. Work hard to enter the narrow gate. Is it easy to live the Christian life? Wait a minute. Is it easy? No. Anybody tell you it's easy? They're not, they're not living the life. It's not easy. You got to strive hard to stay in the narrow path. Isn't that true? It's so easy to go off into the broad way. But to stay on the narrow path, we got to work hard to do that. And the Bible says, you know, we've got to strive to enter the narrow gate. And it says many are going to try to enter, but they won't make it. That's a very serious thing. And you know, when the, the Bible continues to give us an indication why. It says, when the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late and those coming to knock, when the door is closed, he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. That tells me that there is a timing. You see, the Spirit of God doesn't always woo you to him. And many times when the Spirit of God woos somebody to him, a lot of times they ignore it. They don't respond to the Spirit of God wooing, and they think it's going to be there tomorrow. They think it's going to be there another day. And year after year, God woos them. And year after year, God woos them. And the Bible says God has been good to them. Because the Bible says the goodness of God is to lead us to repentance. And they ignore it. But can I tell you, there comes a time when the Spirit of God says, Okay, you've gotten enough invitation. And so what happens is that when the door is closed and you now think you are ready, you can't go in anymore. Because he shut the door. 
Because can I tell you, you and I cannot be saved unless the Holy Spirit draws us to him. No man can come to the Father except through me. We got to go through Christ, but it's the Spirit of God that woos us. It's the Spirit of God. It's not you and I go seeking God. It's God coming to seek us. And so a lot of times it's not like I was out looking for him. He was always out looking for me. He was always out looking for you. He's always wooing you to him. We're the ones who says no. And we're the ones who ignore his plea. There's a time coming, the Bible tells us, when there will be a famine for the word of God. Did you know that? People are going to want to hear the word of God and can't hear the word. And so what we take for granted today, just like how we just took the air, air condition for granted every time we come on a Sunday and it's there, and then one day it shuts down, we suddenly realize, wait a minute, that's how hot it can be when you don't have it. Well, can I tell you, when there is no word of God and you hear the word all the time, and it seems like no big deal to hear the word of God, there is going to be a famine for the word one day and people are going to try to hear the word and they can't get the word. That's why you need to be able to receive the word today and accept the word and be in the word. Amen? So I want you to understand that the Bible tells us, though, what's going to happen. We've been talking about what to acknowledge in terms of behind God working behind the curtain and what to accept. Well, I want to give you one more thing that we have to accept. And it's in this chapter, in Isaiah 45. And it's in verse 23. Here's what it is. God said, I have sworn by my own name. I have spoken the truth. And I will never go back on my word. Every knee will bend to me. And every tongue will declare allegiance to me. What I want you to understand and to accept is that no matter who they are, one day, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter whether they're atheist. It doesn't matter whether they're Buddhist. It doesn't matter whether they're Hindus. It doesn't matter what they call. They have a group today that they call the nuns in America. In other words, they have no religion. Can I tell you? Everybody will one day bow the knee before God. And every tongue will confess. That's what Isaiah says here. God says in Isaiah 45. And can I tell you? The Bible, Paul concurs that in Philippians 2, chapter 10. Paul says in Philippians 2, 10, the same thing. Paul also says the same thing in Romans chapter 14, verse 11. So it's a confirmation that indeed, one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess. No wonder Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3 says this. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? My friend, we, don't, we need to understand when you receive Christ, it's a wonderful thing. It is a blessing. It is a blessing. It is a blessing that you lived in a place where they taught you the word of God, where you received the word of God and accepted Christ as your savior. It's a wonderful thing because you probably could have gone born in another country, in another place where all you heard was something else and you'd be serving wooden idols. But aren't you glad today that you're not serving wooden idols, but you're serving the living God, the resurrected Savior, 
give him praise this morning for that privilege. It's a wonderful blessing. We take it for granted, but we shouldn't. We need to thank God that we know the real God. The Bible says in Isaiah 45, he keeps saying there is only one God and there is no other. So God has a plan, we see, a universal plan. He looked into, he says, the whole world should look to him for salvation. Now how does God, how do we fit into all of this? How do we fit into God's plan? How does God save so many people around the world? What is his plan? Well, in 2 Corinthians 5, I want you to actually turn there because I want you to read it for yourself. 2 Corinthians 5, I'm going to let you get there. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. And I'll read it with you in your New King James Version. 2 Corinthians 5, are you there? Verse 18 and 19, it says, Now all things are of God, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself, how? Through Jesus Christ, and what has he done? And has given us the what? The ministry of what? Okay. When Paul says given us, who is he talking about? Who's he us? Who's he us? All believers. Right? Isn't that true? English language, all believers. You agree with me? And what has he given us? What has he given us? He just says there. The what? Did you all know, I told you before, but I want to see it right in the Bible now. Did you know that you're all ministers? You're a minister of the gospel. Hello? Did you all know you're a minister of the gospel? You are a minister of the gospel. And guess what? You thought you were a nurse. You're in the ministry. It just says you've been given a ministry of reconciliation. You're in the ministry, my friend. Every one of you are a believer. Anywhere you're a believer, you are in the ministry. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to show you what, what part I play. I'm a minister just like you. Except that I got a different responsibility. We come into that. But I want you to know all of us together are ministers. So I want you to say, I'm a minister of the gospel. Now you know who you are. You're a minister of the gospel. You need to remember that. When you go out, you need to act like what? <laughs> When you're home, you need to act like what? And wherever you go, you are a? That's right. Guess what the Bible says you are? Hold on, we're going to give you a lot of scriptures. We're going to scriptures today. Not finished with proving it yet. So let's read. So continue to read. Don't, don't lose that passage. So it says, verse 18, says, let me read it again. Now all things are of God, was reconciled us to himself, through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, 
not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the what? The word of reconciliation. But I don't like that translation too much. Because the word, you don't, you don't get what it actually says. In my translation, it says in NLT, and he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So here's the thing. God has given us a ministry, and God has given us the word for the ministry. Did you hear that? He's given us a ministry, and he's given us the message for that ministry. So we're not lacking. We have, we have the ministry, and we now have the message for that ministry. It is a ministry of what? Reconciliation. So let's see, what does that mean? Reconciling what? Man and God. That's our job. Our ministry is to reconcile man and God. And then we have a message that will bring about that reconciliation. We carry a message. And the message is the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for their sins. And if they receive him as Savior, God takes their sins and put it on Christ. And takes Christ's righteousness and put it on them. And that's how when he looks at them, he no longer sees them as a sinner in that way. He sees the righteousness of Christ which satisfies all the requirements of God. And so we can spend eternity with him. We are in the ministry, and we have the message. Now, okay, so you want to really confirm that you are really in the ministry. I'm going to use two scriptures. First of all, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. One that you use sometimes, but you don't, you use it, but you don't remember when you're using it. You only use one part conveniently. 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'll go back to your translation now. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, I said, right? Um, well, come, start at verse 4. Coming to him as to living stone, rejected indeed by men, that is God, but chosen by God and precious, you also, that's like Christ, that's why he says, you also, like Christ, as living stones, Guess what you are? Living stones. You're not dead. Living stones. What is happening to you? Are being built up a spiritual house. A what? Royal what? Hello? A royal priesthood. Do you know why the word priesthood is used? It is used because it's a collection of people. In other words, if you had one priest over here, would say that's a priest. But if we have 10 priests together, we have a priesthood. So that's what it is. Because all of us are priests, which means all of us are ministers. But we're going to come to this concept of priest. All of us are priests. We together are the priesthood. Collectively, we are the priesthood. Corporately, we are the priesthood. So we are a priesthood. The Bible says we are a what kind of priesthood? A holy priesthood. Now, if you go to verse 9 of that chapter, same chapter, it goes on, but you are a chosen generation. A what kind of priesthood now? 
a royal priesthood. So we are, we are a holy priesthood and we are a royal priesthood because we are connected to royalty because we are in Christ. So you are a priest. You're a minister and a priest. Why are you being called a priest? Because you see, we got to remember what did the priest do in the Old Testament? The priest was the one that mediated between God and the people. The priest was the one who took the needs of the people to God. The priest. But now, and remember, only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies but once a year. But now we have a high priest who is what? Jesus Christ. We have a high priest who has already entered the Holy of Holies and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And so now, because of him, we too have access into the holiest today. So we as the priest, we have authority and responsibility to minister for Christ. We have the authority and the responsibility to minister for Christ. Can I tell you, you have the authority. You have been given delegated authority to minister on behalf of Christ because you are a minister of the gospel. Come on now, somebody. You're a minister of the gospel. You have authority. You have authority to cast out demons. You have authority to heal the sick. You have authority to, 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 to come against the plans of the enemy. You have authority and you have a responsibility. The problem is because most of us have not been exercising our authority and taking up our responsibility, the enemy has been looking like he's winning. But he's already lost. He's only making noise about it. says he's like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He's just like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour because he's making noise and he makes a lot of noise. And if you listen to him, you would think you have no power. But the Bible tells us that greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. Come on, somebody. So you have power. You've got power, my friend. You've got power. And what kind of power do you have? The power, the Bible says, that the power that works in us is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Come on, somebody. You've got power. You've got power. You need to know who you are. That's why I'm telling you last week, I said, when you walk into your office, the kingdom of God has come. You have power. It should matter what you say. It should matter what you do because you've got power. That's why you don't need to worry about any all of this and all of that. And any feathers and any blue oil and any blue thing. That has no power over you. You can throw them out. You have the real deal. Come on, hallelujah. We got the real power. The power of Jesus Christ. And so, my friend, all believers 
are known as the kingdom of priests. We are the kingdom of priests. We are a royal kingdom and we are a holy kingdom of priests. Revelation, nine, Revelation 5 and 9 to 10, you can write on it says, And have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. We have been made kings and priests to our God. We have the authority and the responsibility to minister to Christ, to minister to Christ as the traditional priesthood did. Every Christian is called then to Christian service. Every Christian is called to Christian service. Whether you are a nurse or you are an engineer or you are a store clerk or you are a factory worker, whatever you do, you are still called to the ministry. You are called to the ministry. And guess what? That's your highest calling. Being anything else that you are is next to your highest calling. Your highest calling is to be who God has called you to be. You are a minister in the kingdom of God. That's your highest calling. And that's who you are. Now, so how does that relate to who, why am I, I am still a minister, but why is it my responsibility is a little bit different from yours? It's in the Bible. My job description is in the Bible. So we're going to turn there and we'll show you. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go there. So you say, but I'm a minister, pastor, so how come? What, shouldn't I just preach and teach and do the same thing you're doing? Well, let's look. Ephesians chapter 4, let's begin at verse 11. And he himself, talking about God or Christ, gave some to be what? Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What? What is their job? For the equipping of the saints to do what? For the work of ministry. So you hear what my responsibility is? What am I supposed to do to you? We're supposed to what? Equip you. Isn't that true? That's my job. Pastors and teachers, our job is to equip the saints to do what? The work of ministry. The same thing that I told you you're called to do. You're called to be in the ministry, but you need to know how to carry out the ministry. And it's my job and my responsibility to equip you to do that ministry work. That means that you have to walk in obedience to what I say then. Isn't that true? I've been given that responsibility. So if you disobey, guess what? Here's what happens now. This, the Holy Spirit just dropped it to me. If you disobey me, guess who you're disobeying? God. Because he has given me an assignment. I am acting on his behalf to equip you. Now, if I do wrong in equipping you, guess who chastised me? My boss. That's right. So I have to be making sure that I'm not doing what is wrong. 
because my boss will get me. But if, you, if I'm doing what is right and you disobey me, you're actually disobeying my boss. And so what is the point is, so my job is to equip you to do the work of ministry. Remember, we, that's why I gave you the fact that you're first given a ministry. And secondly, you're given the message. It's a ministry of reconciliation. And my job is to equip you to carry out that ministry of reconciliation. And my job is to check on you to see, are you carrying out the ministry of reconciliation? And to help you to make sure that you carry out the ministry of reconciliation. And to make sure that that's being done. And that you have the right message. When you're carrying out the message of reconciliation. That you get the message right. And that you're doing the ministry right. That's my task. And that's my responsibility. You know yours. So here's the truth about this whole matter. This is going to blow some of you now. Having set that up for you. You know, really, I'm not supposed to do any hospital call. <laughs> Hello? I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, but we're just going through that now. My job is to do what? Equip you to do the work of the ministry. Hospital calls, whatever the things are. Hey, counseling. I'm to equip you to be counselors. And if you follow the Holy Spirit, you can be an effective counselor. You don't have to have gone to school to get a PhD in psychology. There is more psychology and more information in the book and the word of God than any other secular counselor could come up with. Once you start exercising the word of God, you are in good, you are better than most of them. And their thing doesn't always work, but the word of God always works. Doesn't mean that they don't have a part to play. But I'm trying to say to you that you don't want to think that you cannot be who God has called you to be. Now, here's what we're going to learn quickly. Listen to me quickly now. When we're going to equip you to go into the, to do the ministry, we also need to understand that what God has done in order to that part. He has gifted each one of you differently to do different parts of the ministry. Are you understand that? So the way for you to be effective in the ministry is to do the ministry in the area in which God has what? Gifted you. Are you seeing now? So he's not asking you to come up here and lead worship. If he's not gifted you with a gift to do that. He's not asking you to go and teach the Sunday school class if you have not been what? Gifted to do that. But if you have been gifted, because one of the gifts is the gifts of helps. Hello, somebody. That's the Bible. You know, I'm not giving you Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You, 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 can, 
You can see there's a gift of help is in the Bible. It's a gift. God, I didn't say so. The Bible says so. And so you can help. And if God is gifting you with a gift of help, you need to do what? And then it's also another gift. It's a gift of encouragement. Did you know that? That's a gift. Not everybody's an encourager, you know. You know you talk to some people and when you finish talking to them, you're, you feel worse than when you started. Hello. Those are not encouragers. And then you talk to somebody else and when you get out the thing, you say, oh man, that's so good. Different ones have different gifts. We're all called to the ministry. So let's put it together now as I wrap up. We're all called to the ministry. We all have good works to do. But we are going to work according to our giftedness. You're seeing that? Because you don't want to ask me to bake you a cake. Or something. I mean, I mean you can follow a recipe, but I don't know what you... I don't, I, 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 what am I thinking of? I, I can actually cook and I just don't cook, but I can. So I'm trying to figure what I can cook. I'm struggling to figure what I can cook. What is difficult to cook? I don't know what's difficult to cook. So maybe that's not a good idea. I don't know what you get, but, but, but you know, all right, don't ask me to go do what Kimani does. Okay? Don't ask me to do what Kimani does. I am not gifted in that area. So therefore, I leave that to Kimani. And I don't need to get jealous of Kimani. Because that's his gift. And we, he needs to be working in that area. So as soon as something goes like that, I pick up the phone and I call Kimani. You know, it's the same thing when my, when, when my, when my equipment starts giving me trouble. Unlike my wife, I don't fool around it and try to figure it out. She likes to do that. I just pick up the thing and call Apple. I'm not wasting time. Because she, does, she likes to explore and try to figure it out for herself. And, and you know, try to work it and all that stuff. I said, no, no. Apple is paid to do this for me. That's their job. That's their gift. Why me must take time to try to figure it out? I just said, Apple, here's what the problem is. And I said, you want to take over my company? Yeah, you, you can share share screen. Come on. And tell me what to do here. We got to work with people in their area of giftedness. And guess what? When everybody is working, look at that same chapter. Don't move to Ephesians chapter 4. Go back there. I think that's the part that says that. Yes? Ephesians chapter 4. So let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back from verse 11. We're going to read continuously now from verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For what purpose? For the equipping of the saints. For what purpose? For the work of the ministry. Until when? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Now listen. I want you to listen to what the NLT says about this. It says, their responsibility, talking about pastors and teachers, 
is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Oh, Lord of mercy now. You always thought it was the pastor's job to build up the church. That's not what the Bible says. It's not my job to build up the church. It's my job to equip you so that you can do what? Work it out. You see why we're trying to clear some misconceptions? And trying to get some things right? Because God will tell you what. God willing, come January, we're going by this. So we're going to clear up a lot of misconceptions. We need to understand that my job is to equip you. And I'm preparing behind the scenes right now for the equipping purpose. I'm getting ready for the equipment. I'm getting ready to equip you. So that we can equip you to do the work of ministry. So that you can build up the church. You build up the church. If, if you, because we're... Oh, let me finish up. I better get going. Because the point is this. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's, no, it's 11, 18 that I'm looking at that, good. All right, so, so here's the thing. If you are going to build up the church, you're going to have to do what Christ says. Before he left the earth, he told his disciples, go and what? Make disciples of all nations. That's going to be how the church is built up. When we make what? Disciples. The more disciples we make, the more the church is built up. Now I want you to notice, God did not say go and make converts. Did you hear that? He did not say go and make converts. He says go and do what? Make what? Good. So the question you and I should ask is, who is what? Who is a disciple, right? Well, I want you to hear who Jesus thinks is a disciple. Because it doesn't matter what you and I think. It's what Jesus thinks that it matters. Would you say that? Would you agree with me? Would you prefer to receive what Jesus says who's a disciple than anybody else? All right, so then look at what Jesus says. Let me turn, tell you to turn with me. You can then go to me, go with me now. Um, uh, where am I? Yeah, probably. Um, where is this thing? I'm equip pastors, make disciples, not converts. All right. Okay, Luke 14. Luke 14, sorry. Luke 14. Verse 26. Jesus says, that's how it starts. Jesus says. I'm giving you time to get there because I want everybody to see it. And I'm going to do it in, maybe do it in your translation. In New King James. All right. If you have a regular Bible, it's in red, which means it's Jesus' word, right? Let me read it for you. If anyone comes to me. And does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers 
and sisters. Yes, and his own life also, he cannot be what? There you go. Does that sound like a convert? That's more than a convert, right? You got to get to the point where if you don't hate mother, father, brother, sister, wife, children, and your own life, what does that mean? Yeah, but hate doesn't mean that God doesn't believe in hate. So in the Greek language, what he's trying to, what, what is being said here is if your love for me is not greater than your love for your mother, father, brother, sister, cousin, wife, children, so that when you compare your love for me to your love for them, it looks like you hate them compared to your love for me. Are you understanding that? So that's what he was trying to say there. He was not teaching hate. He was trying to use it. That's why we have to understand the language. And we have to go back to the Greek to do that. You have to get to the original language to understand that. And so in the original language, it is saying, your love for mother, father, brother, sister, imagine, wife, children, and guess what? It didn't stop there. And what? Your own self. If your love for all of those is greater than your love for me, you're not my disciple. But if the way you love me is such that when I see your love for those people, including yourself, it is as if you hate them compared to your love for me. Do you understand how serious this thing is then? This is no joke business then, brother. That's why you can't compromise when somebody does wrong because it's a friend or your relative. Wrong is wrong and truth is truth. And right is right. It doesn't matter if it's your child or your wife or your spouse or whoever it is. You need to understand where God stands. God's word must precede everything. God's standard must precede everything. And everything we do must be according to God's standard and word. And my friends, that's where we have to be. And that's our guide. That's what guides us. That's what teaches us. That's what we use to measure. Am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing? What the word of God says. That's why you need the word. That's why you have to be in the word. So the Bible says, except a man, if you want to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, take up your cross daily is not an inconvenience thing. Some people call inconvenience my cross. Oh, you don't have to go pick every morning. I have to drive all the way over there, out on the way to pick them up and come back. That's my cross to bear. That's not your cross. Your cross, let me explain to you what your cross is. Your cross is what God has called you to endure. Not an inconvenience. In other words, you are called to be in the ministry. 
And in the ministry, it's going to require you and I to endure some stuff. You want to read what Pastor Paul endure? That's his cross. To carry out the responsibility God has given us and to do it his way, we're going to have to endure some stuff. And that will be our cross. My friends, we have a tremendous responsibility to fulfill. So if right here in the pandemic, your calling has not been put on hold. My calling to equip you has not been put on hold. Pandemic does not put things on hold. The kingdom of God must go forward, must advance. You and I must continue to do the good works God has prepared beforehand that we should do. We're supposed to still function in our area of giftedness. And we have a responsibility and an authority to carry out the work of God for Christ. He's given you that. You are no ordinary person because you have the spirit of God in you. Once you become a child of God, you are no longer a mere little human being. You have something, you have, to have the spirit of God in you is exceptional and extraordinary because your unsaved neighbor, your unsaved relative does not have the spirit of God in them. Coming back to the counseling, your unsaved counselor that got two PhDs does not have the spirit of God in them. And the spirit of God in you can reveal things to you that, will, that the unsaved counselor could never figure out. Because the spirit of God in you can tell you about somebody sitting in front of you and tell you what is really going on in their lives without them telling you because the spirit of God reveals that to you. That does not happen to a secular counselor who doesn't know God, who doesn't have the spirit of God in them. It cannot happen because the unsaved does not have the spirit of God in them. Stop minimizing who you are. You have the spirit of the living God in you. You are no ordinary person. You are no regular Joe. You have the spirit of God. And you have the authority and the responsibility to minister on behalf of Jesus Christ. So my friend, start using your responsibility. Start using your exercise your authority. When this time comes and you need to cast out demons, cast them out. When time comes to lay hands on the sick, lay hands on the sick. When time comes to deliver, you bring deliverance. In your house, don't let anybody, let anything harass you. You command it to leave in the name of Jesus. You have the authority to command it. You have the authority to bring peace to your house. You have the authority to bring calm and order. You have it. Because remember, before sin, we had authority over everything. Even a ferocious lion, we could say to it, stop! And the lion would have to stop, as ferocious as it was. We're not there yet. 
but we're getting back to that way. So we do have some authority. A bad dog is chasing you. You can tell it, stop. In the name of Jesus, stop. You got to start to realize it. You got authority. And you got to start exercising it. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Oh, Father and our God, we thank you for who we are in Christ. We thank you that you've gifted us. You got us, we have a special calling. And as disciples, we are to reproduce and make more disciples. We ask you that today you would speak to us as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. I surrender all to you, everything. I give to you, withholding nothing. Stand together with me. That's where it starts. I surrender. I surrender to you. Everything I give to you. Withholding nothing. Oh, yes. Withholding nothing. Oh, withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. I surrender. Lift your hands with me. I surrender to you. Yes, Lord. Yes. Everything. Yes, Lord. I to you, oh, with holding nothing, with holding nothing, with holding nothing, with holding nothing. I give you all. I give you all of me. Yes, God. Yes. I.
That's where it all starts when we surrender everything to Him. Everything, my friends. This life is only temporary. This is not what it's all about. It's about doing the good works which He has prepared beforehand for you and I to do. It's to recognize that we are called into the ministry. We've been given a ministry of reconciliation. And we've been given a message of reconciliation. And we're not on our own. He has promised, Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. What excuse will we have when he says, I gave you the ministry. I gave you the message. I promise that I would be with you even to the end. It's not upon you. It is all based on me helping you. Why didn't you do what I called you to do? He's not going to ask you why you didn't do what the next person beside you did. He's only going to ask you about what he called you to do based on how he has gifted you you won't be compared to someone else. It won't be what the other person did and you didn't do. And he's not asking you to do more than he has equipped you to do. If you've got one talent, he wants you to use the one talent. If you're a two-talent person, he expects you to use two. If you're a five-talent person, he expects you to use all five, not three. Not four, all five. And he will not judge the one person talent against your five person talent. Because the one person talent, he's equipped only to do one thing. The five person talent, he's equipped to do five things. More things than some people can do. So it's all going to be individual. And we will have no excuse. Because he's called us, he's going to equip us, he's going to be with us. We can't ask for more. So my friends, it's time. Ask the Holy Spirit. You don't know what is your gift, you don't know what you can do. You want to be able to start asking the Holy Spirit to guide you. We were just about getting ready to do the gifting for the whole church. We started with a leadership when the pandemic struck and we didn't have to hand out any papers anymore. But we had it all set for you to do that, for everybody in the church to find your gift so you can know who you are and what you're gifted to do. Because we are going down this very path that I'm teaching. We want to make sure that you know you're a disciple and you're in the ministry and you need to continue in the ministry. And you have been empowered and you have authority, and you have a responsibility, and you need to use it for the glory of God. I'm going to pray for you this morning as you go. 
that God will begin to speak to your hearts to understand what are the good works that I can be doing right now. You could be sowing seeds of kindness to somebody. Because guess what? God is already at work behind the curtain of your life working on people that he plans to use you to touch. He's working in their lives. People that you don't even realize you're going to run into. People sometimes even on the job that you don't know that God is speaking to them. And he's working on them, waiting on you for you to speak. And he's preparing them to say yes. He's preparing them to respond. He's working behind the curtain of your life in preparing those to whom you need to do good works. God has not stopped working. He's still working in the pandemic and will continue to work. Let's not stop ourselves. Our Father and our God, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you care about us. What a privilege that you've called us. As Paul says, to be co-laborers with you in the vineyard. You've given us a ministry. And you've given us a message. And each of us have been gifted to do the work you've called us to do in the ministry. Father, you're not holding us to a greater standard than the ability you've given us. And all we have to do is to walk in obedience to your spirit that lives within us. And as we yield to the spirit of God, you'll order our steps and direct our path. I pray right now for every person in this place. I pray for those watching me right now. I pray, Lord, for every child of God that they would realize their call to the ministry. They're called to be a minister wherever they serve, wherever they go. They're in the ministry. And they have a message. A message of reconciliation. Lord, I pray that everyone will take it seriously. Because everyone will have to give an account one day about that ministry. Lord, I pray for myself that you would give and anoint me to equip your people. That I may be able to equip them in the way you'd want them equipped so that they'll be able to do the work of the ministry. May I not fail in my equipping. May you give me the ability to equip effectively, consistently. Oh God, we ask you to remember us as a people. Remember us the priesthood, that we are a holy priesthood, that we are a royal priesthood. May we live up to those names that you've given us. May we live up to the calling. May we live up to the expectations, oh God. May we walk accordingly. And may you use us for your glory. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me.
all the days of her life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. We want to say welcome. We have understand that Dwayne is here with his daughter, Ariah. All right, over there is in the mother's room. Good to have you, Dwayne. There is dad. He's, he's his mom and dad today. Give Dwayne a big hand. Can you do that? For his first time. God bless you. 